Welcome to the Living Epistle Podcast, the place where you will find biblical principles to help you live out your faith on a daily basis and to have a positive impact on the lives of others. So get ready for another powerful episode of Living Epistle Podcast. Hello, my name is Tony Miles, and welcome to this week's episode of Living Epistle Podcast. And I must start off by telling you, family, that I absolutely love, 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 love um, our early morning men's prayer call. On this prayer call, we share our real concerns, our real questions, our real issues, and and we're just really um, open and honest and transparent before one another. And and this past week, a brother was asking about clarity uh, surrounding this issue or the doctrine of eternal security. And you may also know this as the belief of once saved, always saved. Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. I'm not going to go into a theological dissertation on eternal security on this um, on a 15 minute podcast. But what it really triggered, though, was what it it brought up a, a broader question or a larger question of how can we say we are eternally secure or always saved? Right. When um, we know that there are things that we continue to do even after we're saved, even after we commit our lives to the Lord. And yet we continue to do things that we know that don't honor or please God. And so this question reminds me of a conversation I had with a brother a few years ago. And he was telling me about a phrase that he came across while he was reading a book titled Hurt People Hurt People by Sandra D. Wilson. And he said he got stuck on this one particular phrase. And he said he got stuck on this phrase, quote, undeserved grace, end quote. And he said the reason that he got stuck on this phrase, undeserved grace, was because he was trying to figure out why God continues to shower us, why God continues to shower his people with so many blessings, despite of our undeserving selves. And that was just a deep question. And and I don't know about you. But I think about me. I know for a fact that I'm saved. I know for a fact that I love Jesus with everything that's within me. I love him with with all of my heart. And yet there are times when I will say things or there are times when I will do things that don't honor God. And there are times even now, saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, elder, love God, out on the mission field, all of that, all of that. And all of that is true. And yet there are times when I revert back to my old ways. I revert back to my old thoughts. I revert back to my old habits. And those are the things that I know that God is desiring to liberate me from. And in many instances has liberated me from. And yet for some reason, there's still an appeal. And I know I'm not the only one. I, I think about the children of Israel when they were in the wilderness and when God had delivered them and they were in the wilderness and Moses is up on Mount Sinai and he's receiving the Ten Commandments and the children of Israel are back at the camp and they're saying, where's Moses? Where's he? He's left us. And they go ahead and they create this golden calf. They they melt down the jewels and the rings and, and they create this golden calf and they're saying, they're bemoaning the fact that they're in the wilderness and they say, we would have been better off in Egypt. 
And that's us. So we can't poo-poo them. We can't look down our noses at them because that's us. That's literally what we do when we revert back to our old ways, our old habits, our old thoughts, and our old patterns, right? And so clearly, all of us, as long as we're in these flesh, as long as we're in these, as the, the Bible would call them, earthen vessels, clearly we are a work that is still in progress, right? But I do want to settle one thing, and I want to settle it once and for all, I pray. And that is that we absolutely, undeniably, categorically, unequivocally do not deserve God's grace. And in fact, isn't that the exact definition of grace? Grace, by definition, is God's unmerited favor. Unmerited meaning undeserved, unwarranted, unearned. So by definition, there's nothing that we've done to earn it. There's nothing that we've done to deserve it. It is simply because God desires to give it to us that we have it. And so my challenge to you, even as we struggle with our walk and we struggle with um, our identity in Christ and we struggle uh, in, in, in this earthen vessel and we struggle to be men and women of God, I would say this, simply accept the fact that God's grace is available to us and thank God for it. And so I'll say, simply say, thank you, Lord, for your grace, right? And so all throughout the Bible, we see God pouring out his grace on imperfect people for the sake of his mission to bring hope and healing to a broke and a dark and a dying world. We see it all throughout. And I never quite understood why Jesus chose the individuals he did. He didn't just call or choose the popular or the rich or the successful to further his ministry. Quite the contrary. Instead, he chose the poor. He chose the broken. He chose the imperfect to fulfill his plan for humanity here on the earth. And, and I can only imagine if I were there, and even now as we're having this conversation or as we're having these thoughts and these questions or we think about and we reflect our lives, I can only imagine how confused the Pharisees and the religious leaders were um, and how confused they must have been when they were looking at this team of people that Jesus had gathered together to represent him. And I'm sure the Pharisees viewed Jesus' team as a bunch of misfits. And don't judge. Don't, don't say, yeah, I see, because let's just think about us. Let's just think about some of the things that we do, even as believers, where people have to look at us and go, and you chose them? We think that of ourselves, right, God? And you still choose me? And the Lord says, yes, I choose you, and I have chosen you. And so from our perspective today, we can see that it didn't matter where the people were from. It didn't matter what they had done. It didn't matter what their profession was. It didn't matter what their uh, um, their um, their aristocracy or their hierarchy or their pedigree was. None of that mattered to Christ in terms of who he chose. Right. And so what we see is and what the scripture clearly shows us is that God can use anybody and that includes you, that includes me. Anybody is anybody, A-N-Y, body, anybody that he so chooses with our imperfections, with all of our issues, no matter how broken, no matter how damaged, no matter how insecure, no matter, no matter, you fill in the blank of what that is that we might have or that we might be, God can still use us to accomplish his will, right? And I, I need us to just settle that 
that even with our imperfections, even with our insecurities, even with our brokenness, even with our issues, even with dot, 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 you fill in the blanks that God can still use us to bring glory to him in the earth. You don't believe me? Let's go to scripture, right? I'm going to go to scripture. Um, and here are a few examples of imperfect people in the Bible who God used mightily for his glory in the Old Testament. Let's start with how about Abraham? Father Abraham, as the Bible calls him, right? Or as songs would call him. Abraham was old, yet God used him for the son of promise to come through his line through which Christ would be born. God used a, 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 his wife, Sarah, with a barren womb. The Bible says her womb was barren and she had no children. And yet the son of promise, right? Isaac came through Abraham and Sarah when they were old. And that is, of course, the line of Christ who comes through that line. Uh, Joseph, Jacob's son, he was abused by his brothers, not looked highly upon by his brothers, all because he told them about a dream. And so the brothers were upset with him. And what did they do? They sold him into slavery. Moses, Moses had a speech impediment and he stuttered and he said, Lord, I stuttered. And he said, I got Aaron for you. Aaron will be your mouthpiece, but you're going to be the guy that I speak to. You'll be my priest. You'll be my intercessor before the people. But not only that. Moses was a murderer. Remember, he killed the Egyptian and he had to go into the desert, but it was in the desert where God called him out to lead his people out of Israel. Rahab, Rahab was a prostitute. Come on now, in terms of the low of the low, um, you know, I don't know, but God used a prostitute. And guess what? The line of Christ is through the lineage of Rahab. Noah, Noah was a drunk. King David. King David was an adulterer and a murderer. I could go on and on. Those are just some in the Old Testament. You say, all right, what about the New Testament? The New Testament, the Samaritan woman, the, the woman Jesus met at the well. Well, she was divorced. But by the way, Jesus pointed out when he met her at the well that the man she was living with was not her husband. So she was shacking at the time Jesus met her, right? Peter, Peter, the apostle Peter, he was hot tempered. Not only that, but he said, I'll never deny you, Lord. And what did the Lord say? Before the cock crows three times, you'll deny me. And certainly that came to be the case. The disciples, the disciples fell asleep when they were supposed to be praying with Jesus before he was to go to the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus said, can't you just pray with me for one hour? And they couldn't do it for one hour. And then we'll close out with the apostle Paul, Paul, a Pharisee who persecuted and jailed and killed Christians, wound up becoming one of the greatest believers, one of the greatest Christians, um, you know, in the scripture. And so you're saying, OK, Tony, I get it. What's the point? What's the point of all this? The point of all this is God's modus operandi, God's way of doing things, God's operation, the way that God does things has not changed all throughout history. What do I mean by that? I mean that even today in 2023, God is still using imperfect, broken people for his glory. The point of all this is that you don't have to have the right pedigree or the right qualifications to be used by God. As a matter of fact, God forbid that you disqualify yourself because of what you think about yourself. God is using all of us with our issues, with our shortcomings, with our imperfections, with our insecurities, you name it. But God is still using us. So the fact of the matter is, is that God specializes in using imperfect, broken people to bring glory and honor to him. And so today is a great day 
to turn our issues, our shortcomings, our habits, our bad habits, I'll say, our imperfections over to Jesus Christ and to say to him with all sincerity of heart, Lord, I place my whole life in your hands, the good, the bad, the ugly, the insecure, the, the, you name it, whatever it is, I place it in your hands. And Lord, I desire to be used for your glory and watch what God will do. You see, we've seen over and over and over and over and over again, how little becomes much when we place it in the master's hands. And I'm so reminded of Philippians one and uh, one and six. And it says, or it reads, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And so by God's grace and only by God's grace, are we worthy to be counted as laborers? Are we worthy to be counted as righteous? Are we worthy to be counted to be used by God? And so if you ever feel like you aren't worthy enough to be used by God, let alone love by him, just remember by God's grace, that you are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so remember that Jesus used a bunch of flawed people to share hope to a flawed and an imperfect world. And in God, we find renewal. In God, we find healing. In God, we find our purpose. In God, we find our wholeness. In God, we find our completeness. In God, we find our, 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 um, our completeness and our wholeness. And Jesus didn't call the equipped but he did quip those who he called. And so no matter what you've been through in your life, no matter what you're going through at this particular moment, no matter whatever you may face down the road, remember that the same power that conquered the death and the grave lives within you. That same spirit, that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, that same spirit that healed, that same spirit that did miracle signs and wonders is within us. And so by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ, we are, you are, I am, we are worthy of life. We are worthy of God's love, not because we've earned it, not because we deserve it, but because offers it freely to us. We are worthy of joy, not again because we've earned it or we deserved it. We're worthy of joy because the joy of the Lord is our strength. We are worthy. You are worthy. I am worthy of a fulfilling purpose that will take you and me places that we never imagined possible. How do we know? Ephesians 3, 20 and 21 reads this way. It says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Family, understand no matter what you may think about yourself, no matter what you're going through, no matter what your background has been, no matter what mistakes that you've made in the past, when we turn it over to Jesus, when we give all of our shortcomings, all of our, um, all of our insecurities, all of our issues over to him, we become worthy. Why? Because of the blood that covers us. So my family, remember, preach the gospel at all times. And when necessary, use words. This is Tony Miles. Thanks for listening. Now go and be a living epistle. Join us again next week for another episode of Living Epistle Podcast. 
Music for Living Epistle Podcast is provided by Audionautics.com.